0: Welcome to Building a Better World, a podcast that investigates the intersection of the metaverse and how we can apply these technologies to improve people's real lives and enhance humanity. The metaverse is more than a web of networks. It is an unfathomable life-shaping tool. And we, our friends, are here to dive headfirst into the way these technologies can improve our life and the world around us i'm your host rish latlakar get ready to discover how we can build a better world in three two one
1: well it's great to see you here esther thanks so much for being on the building a better world podcast excited to have you on and to have this conversation how have you been
2: good good the usual on the road quite a lot so yeah
1: but i'm all good all good Nice. And again, just to introduce you, you are the founder and CEO of Hundo.xyz. Please, I'd love to hear more about you know your background and kind of how you how you started this and you know kind of what got you to where you are now.
2: See, I've worked in unemployment, youth issues for more years than I care to admit now, and the journey for us into um, metaverse, um, into Web three was really sparked by. Outlier Ventures, who accepted us onto their base camp an accelerator program, which literally was kind of like buckle up for 12 weeks and it's not going to stop. And really for me, what we, what we were always grappling with was how do you deal with the fact that the first ever digital native generation... In the history of the world, is struggling and not able to access frontier tech, new tech roles in this kind of burgeoning space where we keep seeing, you know, how much the metaverse is going to be worth, you know, by 2030. But it's kind of going, you can't realize the future without the future builders. So for me, it really became about how can we effectively use this technology and use this moment in time to really galvanize around the idea that young people need to play a massive role in this space. They need to be actively building in it, informing it, shaping it, challenging it. And Hundo was really built around going, how do you start to bridge effectively the education to employment journey in a world that is just completely being transformed, including by companies like Superworld, actually.
1: Awesome, yeah. Now we're very excited about the work that you're doing in Web three, and we're also, you know, honored to be a, a sister portfolio company of of Outlier Ventures with you guys. So that's uh, awesome. I just saw Jamie in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia last week, so it was great right. to see him in person. I wanted to jump into more into your personal life and kind of your background. <laughs> I, I know that you were the first female. DJ producer, and you owned a uh, specialist vinyl store in Manchester. Uh, I did. Tell me more about that. That's pretty awesome.
2: Yes, so I collected records, vinyl, from like the age of eleven. I'm pretty obsessed with music, and I also found myself in a world that is it was quite heavily. To an extent still is, you know, quite heavily male dominated. And I would find myself uh, standing next to a lad in a record shop uh, waiting to get served for about 10 minutes because they just thought I was his girlfriend. So I was like, I'm actually quite bored of this. (laughs) So so it was a combination of annoyance and passion that I decided to open a, a, a vinyl store. Which was I often refer to it as more like a community center than a business. Uh-huh. but it was um, you know, I was 20, what was I 21? Yeah, I have absolutely zero regrets about doing it. It was an amazing uh, yeah, it was an amazing ride.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. I've read uh, Richard Branson's story with Virgin, and you know, the way you've described it, it sounds like as a community place sounds like a similar kind of thing when you owned Virgin when you started Virgin Records, like place where yeah. you would come and hang out.
2: Yeah, it has been. I mean, it's been really fascinating to me to see the the transition that music and kind of media entertainment space are making into you know into web three and metaverse. I think it's a brilliant move, particularly mm-hmm. around ownership. You know, particularly around artists, musicians getting paid. So I, I I find that space. Yeah, I kind of like I keep one eye on it. You know, because I think it is a really interesting part of the metaverse that's being built at the moment.
1: Yeah, the fact that these people in the community can also be stakeholders and the music that's being produced and interact with musicians and the music that's being created and influence that it's pretty exciting
2: yeah, um, and, it's, yeah and I have you know uh, some friends who are you know quite well known you know quite successful you know producers you know they've been starting to incorporate AI you know into their production you know not not using it to replace you know but but to kind of bring it so that's anyway that, that the music rabbit hole is one I could spend a long time in so we, yeah <laughs> we won't go there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. No, I love it. I, I uh, you know, I think music and and the arts are such an inspiration for anyone who's building in tech. So mm-hmm. sounds like that really kind of got you inspired. You're doing a lot of other things as well that you kind of, you know, bringing together in terms of the metaverse would hear more, would love to hear more about that in terms of what you're doing with all stars, women, NFTs and, you know, club and a DAO and then the GTA metaverse as well. One would love to hear more.
2: Yeah, so I'm part of uh, Global Tech Advocates, which is a, a voluntary group of about twenty five thousand people who work in and around tech and the industry. So things like tech for net zero, diversity and inclusion in tech. So of course, I was like, we we definitely need to have a, a GTA Metaverse group <laughs> to talk about, you know, sort of this very what I consider like quite an exciting space, but also one that you know, to be honest, even people working. In tech, you know, as an industry, they're still kind of getting their heads around, you know, a lot of the time I get asked to speak, you know, things, you know, titles of, you know, tours and things like, you know, what's the point of the metaverse, you know, as opposed to like, what are we doing in it? What are we building in it? You know, I think it's really easy to forget just how, if you're in it, you're in it, you know, and kind of like obsessed about it. And it's all you think about, you know, you talk about and you're surrounded by communities, plural, including all stars. Women, which set it up by Layla, who's a, just an amazing human, and it just feels like the whole world, you know, is in this space. But actually, when you step out of that, certainly with the work that we do as well, it's kind of going. People are people are interested. You know, they're excited. They're also a bit like, what is it like? Wh- where do I fit in it? And we see that, you know, kind of like across the whole uh, spectrum of stakeholders that we work with. So mm-hmm. the Metaverse Group. I think for me, like everything that I do in this space, is including with Hundo. You know, it's about trying to bridge people from Web two <laughs> into Web three in a way that is accessible and not yeah. scary and not filled with loads and loads of jargon. You know, even though I love it, you know, and, and sort of you know want to sort of talk about avatars and you know technology all day and all night. It's more about going. How do we ensure that there is an inclusive? aspect to this where people Mm -hmm. do feel like they understand what it is, but then also can start to think about the practical applications of it. And I think that's probably, I think that's probably like the biggest challenge, you know, so, so all of these extra sort of other things that I do, you know, like with GDN and Metaverse, you know, with All Stars, women in particular, you know, women in Web3 is trying to sort of shift the dial slightly in terms of people feeling that they can be part of this and actually that it's quite important that they are part of it.
1: And so would you say your kind of core values as it relates to Hundo, how do do you kind of think about that in terms of this broader kind of, you know, Web2 space Mm -hmm. and getting more people in?
2: Yeah, I think in terms of core values, it's very much much my observation, you know, and my experience, I suppose, which like anything shapes your your worldview somewhat. But I think I would say, you know, kind of in Web2, there really wasn't any obvious place for a diverse female founder. Mm -hmm. at all (laughs) you know it was almost like it wasn't even a consideration you know i didn't work in tech i wasn't involved in tech i don't have a tech background you know and and so for me one of the reasons that i love web3 and the metaverse so much is because there is actually there is like a very obvious place to be and to exist so i think for me you know the core value was about ensuring that we get to move away and to hopefully learn from to not make the same mistakes as a lot of the issues that have happened with web 2 and it's not because i think that web 3 is a utopian panacea i'm well aware that there are issues you know within it as well but it feels to me like a you know much of web 2 felt like it very much came out of silicon valley you know very much came out of you know some some core deeply centralized platforms which are the kind of the incumbents of the way that we all kind of use the internet today at the moment. And and it felt like, I don't think either is, utopian or dystopian you know I think it's always somewhere horrible in the middle you know which is always slightly disappointing but I think that idea that we are going to have to learn how to play nicely and well together between centralization and decentralization you know and between real world goods you know and, and virtual you know world goods I think is a very it's quite an interesting time to be alive you know to observe it and I think for me the value is about going how do we ensure that users you know, of this new emerging economy have equal access, you know, um, and have the ability to learn and you know kind of monetize, you know, in a different way, I think, you know, in, in a in a way that's really, really shifting. And we see that a lot with young people at the moment because it's going the traditional, like all bets are off, you know, since <laughs> since COVID particularly. And now with things like, you know, chat GPT, which appreciate everyone is talking about. But I don't think, I think getting to grips with just how fundamentally that has ripped apart the education system <laughs> overnight, you know, seemingly in terms of going like, who is going to get into $60,000 of debt and write a 10,000 word dissertation with no job or employment guaranteed at the end of it. it. And when you start to kind of see that shift, that's where I think it's kind of going, That's that's where it's sort of really important, you know, to get to grips with how do we ensure that value in this new world? yeah um, reach as many people as possible rather than being this kind of repeat concentration of absolute wealth and absolute power in the hands of Sophie
1: yeah and go into that more like how do you do that as it relates to hundo We'd love to hear kind of the user journey if you know mm. if I'm interested in in getting involved how would I do yeah. that?
2: So we so obviously our domain expertise is kind of in in with young people. <laughs> so Gen Z is sort of the, the 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 age group, you know, that we talk about. But the reason for that is sixteen to twenty four year olds today, as I said earlier, first digital native generation, their kids will be growing up in a much more fully immersive world. So that it's quite a fascinating um transition. And we really, you know, but what you find with that age group is you know, particularly during COVID, uh, young people lost their jobs at uh, three to five times the rate of every other age group. And then there were all these kind of tech jobs, you know, not not just in Web3 and Metaverse, but frontier tech in general. And for me, I was like, how how is that even a thing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how is it possible that kids who are using Unreal Engine, you know, and, and kind of, you know, they're in Fortnite, they're in Roblox, you know, they're in sandbox already decentralized like how is it possible for them to be using this technology for fun but they can't get jobs in the industry Mm -hmm. and that was just a crazy sort of dynamic for me which i sat and looked at for a while so with hundo in simple terms you know we partnered initially with ready play me one because apologies for the buzzwords because their avatars are cross-platform and interoperable but also because we'd run a test with innovate uk Uh, we won a, a grant to pilot the use of avatars to remove and reduce hiring bias, which worked really successfully. So that's so uh, everything that you see on the Hundo platform. There's kind of a quite a big thought process, you know, and a reason that's gone behind it. It's not just because you can have an avatar and it's fun. That's also true and very important, actually. But it's about going, this is how you start to represent and present yourself in an increasingly digitized, increasingly immersive world. And to be able to get young people familiar and used to that technology in the context of learning rather than in the context of, you know, watching Travis Scott in Fortnite, you know. So so every 16-year-old, you know, our our dream, you know, is that every 16-year-old can create a Hundo profile, set up their avatar, and then set up their digital skills profile. Mm -hmm. The technology behind that is obviously soulbound NFTs in a digital skills wallet. And the purpose of that is to get rid of the CV resume because it's the most redundant, awful piece of paper on earth, For young people, and also for the people who have to read these things, you know, on the other side. So it's sort of going, wouldn't it be great if you could represent the totality of all of the skills that you're developing, both in the real world. Mm-hmm. and in the virtual world, so that young people can start to see that the things that they, the skills that they have, that they'd never really think to write on a CV are actually incredibly valuable um, to mm-hmm. kind of end employers or their future employment, you know, depending on how they want to work. So what we want is young people to be able to start to look at the skills they already have through gaming, through, you know, activity in world, all of that. And even, you know, even in Super Bowl context, you know, if they, if they brought, if they bought a piece of virtual land and they're building on it, and all that—that's a skill set. Like that's a, <laughs> that's a yeah. really good skill set. If they're buying land and trading land, or whatever it is, you know, these are valuable, valuable skills, and it's helping them to kind of augment their mandatory education and qualifications with micro credentials. You know, with all of the other activity that that employers are always saying that they need. So that's that's what we want for every young person, and also so that they can start to see where the skills mismatches are because you know even with you know it always it doesn't make me laugh it's just it's just such a good example of how fast this stuff moves you know Solidity developers now here you go kind of like yeah Solidity devs are pretty high demand you know they're they're also looking at retraining you know upskilling into Rust you know and it's like that's how quickly the technology is exponentially transforming even highly skilled professionals and everybody is having to kind of keep up and, and you know and stay on that journey and I really would like for the first time ever young people to be like ahead of that curve and out in front of it rather than always kind of struggling to get work and struggling to find jobs particularly ones that pay well um, which tech jobs have a tendency to do.
1: Yeah, that's great. So it's basically helping young people kind of bring together their physical and their virtual lives and you know the skills that they're learning in both of those things and in mm-hmm. incorporating soulbound tokens and you know other technology that makes it easy to kind of verify and to understand the the, yeah. the skills of these applicants mm-hmm. what about on the employer side what do you see that's happening there in terms of adoption of using these things so w- when do you expect an employer to say you know what i don't need a cv i'm just kind of use use a soulbound token to better understand your skill set
2: I think we're quite some way away from it in terms of mass mainstream adoption, but it's why for us, we, what where we where we do actually see the most interest at the moment is with educators, which was what we expected initially. I suppose it makes it does make sense when you think about it, you know, latterly because they are at the hard edge of being stuck with a mandatory education system that they know isn't preparing their young people for work. So actually the as you know, we launched in November last year with CareerCon, uh, which we're obviously now in my like, planning for again for, for this year. And that was really about bringing educators, young people and employers together, you know, in into one space to start to try to talk through a lot of these issues, you know, that they're facing. So I think for us, Hundo's kind of like planted its you know, flag, I suppose, in, in being the bridge between these two worlds. So we're, we're an incredibly web two interface, (laughs) Um, you know, you sign in with an email and a password, but what that means is what's happening now, which we're really pleased to see is whole college groups want to onboard all of their students. So we're having obviously anyone in the world, you know, can sign up tomorrow. It's much more effective when you can go, here's 35,000 students from this location, these demographics, they are currently studying this this is what their current skills profile looks like. And then you can turn around to employers and say, here are all the skills that you say you need, and here's a load of young people who've got them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and whether or not they want to access those as a, you know, for, for, in terms of the employer, the way they will access that is being able to see the profile. What I'm hoping is really, you know, obviously we love the, you know, the premise of Soulbound NFTs and Skills Wallet and all of that, but for the purpose of talking to an employer at the moment, it's kind of going, this is a skills profile. And the technology that sits behind it, the you know mm-hmm. on-chain validated verified credentials, you know, all the rest of it is almost like I think we'll be winning if if that's not even you know, a bit like we don't get on a call and ask like what cloud service is your website hosted on, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and that's really where I think Web three needs to start winning is that ability to kind of go. The technology becomes so seamless and just part of everyday life that you don't really notice it anymore Mm -hmm. um, and certainly don't need to explain it. And that's why I'd say we're kind of, I I think that's where we are still incredibly, incredibly nascent. But I think the idea that employers, you know, if you turn around to an employer and say, would you like to never have to read a CV resume ever again? they, They universally say yes. Um, so if we're presenting profiles and secretly they are soulbound NFT tokens I think that's absolutely fine and eventually who knows you know maybe it will you know maybe we will ultimately have employers staking and doing all of the kind of the more exciting bits of web3 you know that we're into but in the meantime it's about starting to transition all of those you know educators employers and young people successfully into what we hope will be a much more seamless world
1: no, I totally agree. It's it's really about just you know again seeing what the the benefits are and talking about those benefits and less about the technology yeah. and, and the features et cetera. But just for the benefit of our our you know our audience who is very interested in in Web three <laughs> as well, can you define kind of what a what a soulbound token is to you and how you think about that and some of the benefits of of using that technology in this use case.
2: So the idea was that at the moment, if you pretty much on LinkedIn, you know, or any of the, you know, on a, on a CV or anything, you can pretty much write, you can write anything. Like that's the truth of it. <laughs> um, there, and people, you know, there there is no way to verify absolutely in the way that there is on chain, um, that you have a proficiency in a particular subject or that you have actually completed a course. So we wanted to make sure that there was a way to for it to become i guess a source of truth and a, and a kind of a proof point so that people could have confidence both in that what they're learning on the platform is also verified recognized but also that it that it you know ultimately is about making sure they can transition you know properly so the point of having so on NFTs was that it would be the whole wallet, you know, is is bound to the identity of that person, albeit anonymized, you know, self-sovereign, and they can give away as much access, you know, revoke as much access to that data as they want. And the purpose of that really was going, there's no value in somebody stealing <laughs> those badges, you know, you know, kind of stealing that profile or, you know, trading those NFTs or anything like that, because it'll become really, really obvious really, really quickly if you have somebody's digital skills wallet where you've said that you can do all of these things and then you get a job on the basis of that. And then actually, as it turns out, you very clearly have not done any of those things. So it was really about, we were trying to think about how do you best protect, I suppose person's identity? And how do they have confidence and trust in both the platform? And then also on the employer side, it's kind of going, if they're looking at these profiles, so they have that additional confidence that it is actually a proof point. Yeah, that's why we decided to go down that route.
1: Yeah, you know, as the technology evolves, it's it's always very interesting as to, you know, the use cases, but I think this is probably the best use case of, of that technology that I could really think of. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and, awesome. it's, and
2: it's and it's it is interesting, Rich, because like a lot of the what we're working on now is obviously if you have like a Hundo credential, you know, it's yeah. like well, it's just Hundo. You know, like who, you know, who are we? But what we're looking at at the moment, what we're working at the moment is with Federation of Awarding Bodies in mm-hmm. the UK and kind of colleges, you know, universities to go. Actually, if you have obviously the technology, you know, is is a sub NFT, but the fact that it is validated and verified by the issuing credential partner, it gives it that layer of trust i suppose so that's that's kind of some of the stuff that's more interesting because again that's how you're taking i mean for me it was it just as an absolute example you know i moved from the uk to the netherlands and trying to hunt down all of your pieces of paper all your qualifications like all the things that you've done is a nightmare so i'm going even just to, like solve like the headache this is like a really really good use of the technology and and what's what's good to see is that very, very centralised services like qualifying bodies, you know, they are also seeing the value of this because it's different Mm -hmm. when two credentials at the moment are still individual, you know, they're still all over the place. And we live in this world where it's kind of like everything is just everywhere. (laughs) and We need to sort of be able to bring it, you know, into one sort of central sanity check so that people aren't just wasting time, you know, all over the shop trying to find, you know, just trying to hunt down, you know, qualification that they got five years ago or in my case, 25 years ago. (laughs)
1: No, I know what you mean. That's so long ago, going to school and university. <laughs> you know, you brought up ChatGPT, and you know all the all the innovation that's happening, and how the world is moving a lot faster. What do you think in terms of skills? You know, in terms of what you're seeing, can you talk about the future of kind of upskilling? And if I'm graduating from you know high school or maybe even in high school and or going to college you know what should i be thinking about in terms of how to deal with things like chat gpt that seem to be getting faster and faster every day and you know as i think about immersive tech or web3 what are the skills that you think are most valuable over the next 10 years and you know how how do i get those skills like what's the best way to to think about that
2: yeah so I always refer to it. There's this fascinating graph where it sort of talks about innovation you know, that happened over time that was relatively linear. You know, there was it was sort of nothing was everything was kind of bumping along. You know, steam train, you know, <laughs> all of that, and then, and then you just hit this kind of from from sort of you know the smartphone, you know, upwards. You just hit this exponential you know growth curve of technology, and I think AI, ML is sort of a, you know we're kind of peaking, you know, at that at the moment, and I think the resisting change is the worst thing you can do. (laughs) You don't have to like, you know, you don't have to like chat, you you don't have to have a view on it. But I think, you know, as societies, we can't ignore that this stuff is, you know, I would say is creating sort of, you know, a revolutionary approach, you know, to how we think about jobs, how we think about careers, how we think about skills, certainly with, you know, on the kind of the AI ML side of things, a lot of the even entry-level roles now for young people moving into things, very traditional industries like healthcare, they're having to learn to use AIML diagnostic tools to treat patients already. Mm-hmm. So we're already starting to see, I think for those people who are more, you know, like content editors, you know, moderators, all of that, with the best will in the world, you know, I would argue, and actually I, it was, I had a really good conversation with someone about this last week, you know, it's still very much machine learning, you know, and say that like chat GPT is a machine <laughs> learning, you know, the, I think artificial intelligence, synthetic intelligence, I'm not... I'm short of probably the military. You know, I'm not sure how far we are with that. You know, and I think that it's. I think what I find fascinating actually is the way that humans sort of put, try to put a human, in, you know, kind of like approach. You know, onto sort of things that are still, as far as I know, you know, machine. You know, machine like in in you know in their in their kind of behaviours. So I think I think people. I think it's good to be aware of the technologies and, and how that and how to think about. Education used to very much be, you know, you would go and do this, you know, course or this degree, and then you would go and get a job. And mm-hmm. the world just is not like, is increasingly not like that anymore. And the and the whole point of, you know, sorry to bring it back to Hundo, you know, with the whole point of not only just having the skills profile, but the ability to actually know mm-hmm. what is coming next. You know, what skills are useful to me? What do I need to know? And then be able to learn those skills both on platform and through third party providers, that's where it kind of becomes really important because I think this generation, certainly the one behind it, is going to be an increasingly disrupted, disrupted world where you're going to need to learn new skills. I would say, I would argue kind of life for life. You know, we talk about careers now in the context of people having Six, seven, eight, 10, <laughs> uh, you know, um, different careers, you know, si- side hustles, you know, all of those things, or just the way that people start to earn money you know, it's being changed and disrupted. And I think, and I also look at young people and they're seeing all the tech layoffs, you know, all the kind of like, you know, it's a thing going like nothing is, it sounds, it sounds very, it sounds quite negative, you know, it's like nothing is guaranteed and nothing is certain. And that's true, you know, in the, in this kind of, in, you know, this, this new world, but what is certain and the things that you do have control over are what, are what you know, we get to choose what we do in this world, (laughs) you know, and how we start to learn, you know, to interact with that. So I think it will be a continuous skills development. And and over the next 10 years, I mean, you know, I I look at the World Economic Forum, you know, stats all the time, (laughs) you know, and and it's kind of going, there are 1.1 billion new, Mm Frontier tech roles needed by 2030 which is about 7 years away that's 1.1 billion that is a lot of roles you know it's about to the point about employers people aren't ready for you know employers aren't ready for this you know it, but it, but i come back to the same premise of going if every business and every individual in the world over the next decade actually over the next century is going to be working in living in earning in <laughs> and learning in an increasingly immersive World, we are all going to have to become lifelong students, um, and we're going to have to just stop resisting <laughs> the future, um, and sort of and 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 actually play. As I said earlier, start to be active participants in it, and that starts with education, and that starts with learning.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you that you know with that with that estimate sounds like we all have to just become more aware that this is a reality, and we have to you know take on this learning attitude if we don't have it already that to be able to to adapt to this new environment yeah. we must learn new skills so what's the one skill like what's the one to yeah. like if i were going to you know try to learn something now what do you think that would be is it a is it a programming skill is it a you know is it art you know like what is it what's what are the top skills
2: I'm going to give you a terrible, but it's a terribly politicians, you know, type yeah. answer. But it, it really depends on what you want to do. So I think I think people do get fixated on um, to work in tech or to be part of this world. I need technical skills. Yeah. But actually, when we talk to employers, the biggest skills gap that they see is what they call soft skills, which I call essential skills. <laughs> yeah. And and so that and even just like work tech, you know, we have with some of the some of the teachers, you know, that we work with, like mm. they've never heard of Slack. So you kind of get, you know, there are some training centers, you know, where they don't have Wi-Fi. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of going like there is this, there is this really big bridge. Um, But I think the skills that are always in demand are those more essential ones, you know, because I think you, I I actually think in some ways I'd argue, it's easier to learn uh, very specific skills, you know, for specific like solidity, you know, like rust, you know, but I actually think having that more rounded project management. If you want to know the biggest skill, the one that we see people crying out for it, is community managers. So that's that's what I mean. I find it interesting, um, and it's why it's why Hundo is quite a broad church in that respect. You know, we haven't just gone purely into you must learn how to code, or you know, you must learn how to do this. It's kind of going. This is a platform where you can stay ahead of <laughs> seeing what's coming down the track and what you need to know next.
1: Yeah. Are you also seeing? I know, like, the metaverse is a, a very virtual kind of you know environment in in many ways, or it can be. But you know, we do have a, a world where there's different possibilities for growth d- due to regulations or you know local economies and openness of of those of certain countries to Web three in general. What do you see globally in terms of where this growth is happening? If I'm you know, someone who's just graduating, should I be targeting some of my efforts towards certain places in the world? Or is this something that I, I don't have to be as concerned about geographies? What's the best way to play this?
2: That's a great question. It's an incredibly, I'd say it's an incredibly fragmented global picture. So obviously you have UAE Saudi going all in, <laughs> uh, you know, on on metaverse. I'm, so I, I, I you know, I have, I'm due to go over at some point, but I imagine that's a pretty, pretty hot market to be in now. <laughs> Terrible pun. But then you see, you know, South Korea at a government level. Mm-hmm. I think they invested about 100, and, I think it's 187 million dollars into what they, you know, go the, is the metaverse. So I think it really depends on, yeah, it really depends on the territory. You know, there are some that are kind of lagging behind, and then there are some who are just like, this isn't even happening this isn't even a thing i would say that's shifting you know quite a bit but there is still i think from a regulatory perspective there is there again i you know always come back to education you know the the you have that there is so much work to do in terms of the decision makers understanding what this is and that yes you can either perceive it as a threat <laughs> um, or you can actually see it as an opportunity you know and start to work with it so i think definitely yeah. those spaces are interesting um other places that I see sort of, you know, with adoption um, sub Saharan Africa, you know, India, you know, the really, really big territories. And obviously the US, there's regulatory, you know, like stuff going on there. But, you know, I've, we met in Miami, didn't we? At NFT, we, yeah. you know, and it's kind of, so So it is, I would say it's quite a mixed picture at the moment. I think there is an increasing will to try to start to put together what this is, you know, what this could be. Because I think we're going to need to. I think young people are growing up in an increasingly globalized, environment, which is increasingly, in some ways, borders are getting harder, but in a kind of a virtual environment, you know, there is an increasing sort of borderless approach and a globalized workforce. So, yeah, so I think it's, I, I would, I would say um, the world's, the world is a big place, you know, and, and a small place at the same time. And it's kind of going like being aware of where there is real adoption and a real kind of investment into the space at kind of government level. And that's certainly what you're seeing in, as I say, in the territories that I've, that I've mentioned. That's certainly where I'm seeing the, the growth.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, you have to be flexible, but also kind of focus in on those areas where the governments are really kind of stepping in and creating more, more interest and growth. I wonder, you know, how that will evolve as other countries kind of see this happening. I've seen it in a bit and you know, we've seen this with certain places that you wouldn't expect jumping on board because they wanna wanna lead. Barbados has done a really great job, yeah. Ambassador Gabriel Bed and mm. and that team, as well as, you know, other places in the world. Miami, where we are right now, and where we met, is also Francis Suarez. Mayor Mayor Suarez has done a lot of amazing things, and the government of, of Dubai and and Saudi is also also yeah. as you mentioned. True, and, and, and you're
2: right. You know, it's it's yeah. even in in you know central South Latin America. You know, mm-hmm. seeing adoption it is it is a very it's an interest. It's kind of those always those bigger territories where you're really starting to see this. But then on the, on the flip side. Again, kind of sub-Saharan Africa, a lot of interesting adoption. Um, I think it's almost in those, what I've seen is where there are territories with high populations, (laughs) you know, big populations, which also means high youth populations and very young populations, where things like AI, ML, robotics, automation, they are actually killing lots and lots of entry-level roles. Mm -hmm. And it's happening at such a pace and at such Mm -hmm. a scale. That I that I, I kind of feel like there is um there is a it's almost inevitable in those places because they have to address and have to tackle the fact that. The jobs that are traditional are, are just disappearing so quickly. And actually, when you when you get that sort of, you know, that the more young people who are facing disadvantage and poverty, uh, the more that becomes a political and, and social problem. So I think that's where I notice it's an interesting pattern, you know, to kind of go that they're more switched on, because I think they are seeing the effects of like, you can't really ignore this because it's not going away.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. Well you know I uh, have a couple of fun questions kind of to <laughs> wrap up here if you could take anyone to lunch in history or current you know in the tech space or you know in actually any any space I know you like music and you know mm-hmm. so many broad interests who would that be and and why what would you want to accomplish or what would you want to learn
2: uh, I would actually I'd love to take. Arthur C. Clarke <laughs> mm-hmm. to lunch because so much of what uh, was science fiction, you know, so much of what he said, you know, and, and wrote about uh, mm-hmm. is kind of becoming reality and, um, and and that kind of level of sort of forward thinking. Yeah. I would just, I would just love to bring that uh, bring that person back and go, what do you think of it all? Is, it, is this what you imagined it would be?
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's kind of get a sense for, the, the future as well and what's what's coming um, to be able to ask people who, like himself, who can, you know, again, give us insights and uh, whether this is actually what he thought. Cool. And then also, you know, if you had free reign, you know, to buy anywhere in the world in terms of virtual real estate, what are your favorite places in the world? Where would you, where would you want to plant a flag?
2: So it's actually, it's actually the piece of uh, real estate, virtual real estate in Superworld I already bought. So it's a very nice. boring answer um, because nice. it's actually NASA mission control. Because I went to NASA after nice. South by Southwest and then I was like, they had, you know, kind of like an AR, VR, you know, some went around and I was like, I messaged my tech co-founder and I was like, has NASA bought mission control in Superworld yet? And he's like, no. I was like, buy it immediately. <laughs> and, awesome. and the purpose, the purpose of that was not, you know, it was it was to be able to go like, actually you know, being able to use virtual immersive spaces, like what you're creating on SuperWorld, you know, for education, training, learning, you know, seeing all that is actually incredibly useful, you know, for real world applications. So yes, it was NASA mission control.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Yes. You can recruit the future astronauts. Exactly. um, To train in (laughs) Hundo and then upskill and then apply for those jobs. That's a interesting application of that you'd be happy to know that some of the guys who fund some of the the space technologies have also had that similar strategy so they're buying <laughs> up all the space stations and launch facilities around the world so you might have beat them i've heard i've heard that they're acquiring a lot of the the space yeah. facilities as they're being announced so mm. It
2: it makes a huge amount of sense. No, I really, I really do look at Superworld and I just see it as this kind of way of layering and in a very, very useful way. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, you know, I really appreciate you being on and loved hearing more about your perspectives on the future of, of education and work and learning and upskilling. Where can people find you on the web? Like what's the best places to learn about your work and Hundo and other things?
2: Yeah, so obviously hundo.xyz. You can sign up, create your avatar, have a look around. And then obviously uh, LinkedIn is um, is the go-to. It's the only channel that is like, manageable um, in the in all of the channels so yeah just esther Callahan, and i'm until my pfp gets kicked off because uh, it's not a real version of me uh, it's still an avatar so uh, so yeah you'll find me on there
1: awesome awesome thanks so much esther really appreciate it can't wait to to see you somewhere again soon and uh congrats on all your success and looking forward to uh you know, watching all the things that happened this year and exciting developments at Hundo.xyz. Thanks again for being on Building a Better World and and helping to build a better world. So appreciate uh, all the work that you're doing.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Building a Better World. For more, search Building a Better World in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at SuperWorld, thanks for listening.